You're listening to the Private Citizen, your weekly data privacy podcast. This is episode 32 for Wednesday, the 29th of July, 2020. How to hack end-to-end encryption. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Private Citizen. As you might know, my name is Fab. I'm your host, um, Fabian Alexander Scherschel would be my full name um but you know going fab that's easier we uh we me i i am <laughs> i hate it when people pretend they're more than one person doing a thing and it's actually just one person so let's not do that <laughs> um i'm i'm here in my home studio um in hamburg just off runway 33 of hamburg international airport and the planes are flying regularly again so if you hear some some low rumbling in the background i've i've got pretty good with the i mean my windows are quite thick anyway um and soundproof and um, i'm got i've gotten quite good with the um dialing in with the compressor and everything so you shouldn't hear it but if you hear it don't worry i'm fine it's just i'm i'm in i'm in the approach vector (laughs) um yeah, nice, nice to have you around. Nice to uh, have you here for the show today. We're going to talk about a bit of an older story um, that was in the news uh, about a month ago. I'm also recording this episode a few days early because I have some travel to do. Um, so I'm, I'm releasing this on on a Wednesday um, on the road, but I'll, I've recorded it a few days earlier, and so it's it's kind of fitting. That's a bit of an older story I had on the docket for quite a while. I wanted to talk about, and so I thought I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that today. Um, so don't worry if you haven't, you, you probably have, have heard about this, uh, today we're going to talk about, uh, Encro chat, um, which I just, as I said this, I, I'm saying this, I noticed I'm spelled that here, right in a subheading. So I'm, I'm just fixing that. So I remember <laughs> in the show notes, private citizen not press, by the way. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that, um, which, you know, I think it's an interesting story, even though it's older and it has some c- some interesting implications for privacy of all of us, even if we're not career criminals, um, still, still very important, I think. Uh, but before we get into that first coffee, uh, French press on the floor, so I gotta reach down. This desk is too small, but I'm moving soon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move to a bigger desk, a much bigger desk. I need, I need a bigger desk. This isn't, isn't working for me. That's, that's the good things about moving. You can kind of, um change things that, that weren't working i mean you can you can also change them when you're not moving but you usually don't you just, ah, just can't be bothered and when you're doing everything new anyway you know it's always a good good time to do that kind of stuff i wanted to thank everybody who uh sent their best wishes for both my dad um, and my motorbike i talked about you know um the motorbike tour i'm planning and it looks like it's gonna go ahead just for the planning of the podcast um it i've 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 now planned it out so the tour is um in the middle of august and there will be one oh god i need to look this up right when i'm talking about this why, why am i so I'm, I'm not prepared today it's not good um we'll we'll be we'll be going to norway um for a little bit more than a week so um one wednesday we're on the road and i won't do a podcast so that should be uh i think the 19th of august that's actually a day before my birthday so that week i'm not going to do a private citizen i have a plan that 
I think probably two weeks earlier, I'll do two episodes. I've got lots of topics I can talk about. Um, and I want to do that and I want to give you an extra episode. So you'll uh, just don't worry that just, there just won't be an episode released that week, but I'll, I'll talk about it early as well. And you'll, I'll make it up with extra content that you get beforehand. So you can, you maybe can save an episode and listen to it on a Wednesday if you want to, if you, if you got into that rut. And then of course there's the move coming up and I don't know about that yet. That'll be in September. Um, I'll, I'll probably miss an episode or two there. Uh, when I'm moving all the stuff and also um, we're taking or you know I, I, I work for myself so I can t- take time off pretty much whenever I want to but my wife's taking some time off and we'll probably go on holiday after the move um, so there might be some episodes missing there. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do there if I'm going to make up for it I don't know yet I'll let you know um, but thanks for the uh, well wishes uh, well received actually my dad is uh, is doing good He's, he didn't have a heart attack after all um, we had it checked, uh, of course, because of, you know, genetic factors as well. And um turned out it wasn't a heart attack, um, which it would have been a very minor one anyway. He was playing tennis <laughs> just a few days after. So you don't do that if you had a if you had a big heart attack. No, so that that wasn't it. He's, he's still got some issues, but uh, that, that'll be that'll be sorted out. So he'll definitely go on the motorbike tour and I'll go too. I'll, pro- you know, if my bike's not fixed, which I don't know yet, it's, it's looking a bit shaky right now. Uh, but uh, if that doesn't work, I'm just going to probably go borrow mom's bike or something. Um, but enough of my uh, personal life. That's not what you're here for, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, there's actually not many people know me personally who listen to this podcast, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> also, it's English, right? So um, a lot of like my German friends don't, I mean, there's probably speaking of English, but they don't just talk. Also, they don't care. <laughs> They don't care about tinfoil ad privacy bullshit. Um, so uh, with that, uh, I think we should get into uh, today's today's topic right away. Um, so we are talking about a story that Vice broke uh, at the beginning of last month. So the beginning of very beginning of June. Um, it's called how police secretly took over a global phone network for organized crime you've probably heard about it it went all over the mainstream news as well um so the 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 the, the phones were called um Ancro chat and um i I'd, I'd, I'd never heard of them um i love this kind of crime reporting and this kind of stuff but uh i wasn't particular into like the beat of um you know what what encrypted phones criminals use i'm i'm a bit regretful of that i'm i'm really interested in this kind of stuff uh it was just like um the the publication i worked for previously before I went freelance uh, always i don't know they, you know they're a corporate entity and they're, they're, you know vice is vice is special uh, they, they were a bit different they were still clear of this kind of stuff uh because they were like kind of you know didn't want to risk. Uh, I mean, this this stuff is. Uh, if you write about this stuff, it's it's a it's risky. You know, you can actually you know people been whacked for this kind of stuff, and I guess they didn't want to. They want to protect the writers. But even though, like you know, if you as a writer you for yourself, you're like, I'm okay with this, right? I'm gonna. It's my job. I'm gonna do this. I feel okay. They were kind of. They weren't really doing this, which I guess is kind of the. It's kind of the, you know, when you're a tech publication and, you know, they're not used to like, if you're working for, I don't know, your TV networks, you know, they're used to giving people like bulletproof vests and helmets and sending them into war zones. And uh, I was kind of, I don't know, 
always kind of wanted to do that uh, anyway so I, i've never really written about this stuff i should probably change this now that i freelance i probably can um the the the, the one of the issues there is that you know there's also legal problems and if you write for a big uh, publications publication if if anybody gets sued it's like you have lawyers at the publication that protect you when you're a freelance journalist and you're operating on your own it's all a bit harder like if you get sued then it's potentially gonna ruin you uh which is you know i mean i have stuff i have i'm in a um in a um press organization um kind of union it's not it's not strictly a union it's more so a, like a network of like a professional i mean they have you know you have in, insurance and, and uh legal legal help there legal coverage so like that would help but anyway um so this story vice broke the story and um they're they're into they're doing lots of stories about drugs and stuff i i, I like to read them um I read them whenever i can I find this interesting and so this was a phone it was like an encrypted phone which i mean it was pretty much like those encrypted phones that i've i've, I've written about you know there was the black phone i did a review of that a few years back um there were always uh, android phones um because these companies they can't really do their own operating system from the ground up even though probably that would probably be the most secure because you could strip it down from the beginning but you know it's a lot of work a lot of know-how you need to be huge to do that and these companies are not so usually they get a phone from some manufacturer that would usually uh put vanilla android on the phone so they can get probably get access to all the drivers or whatever or uh, you know can flash it easily and then they write their own operating system but it's basically android right it's uh, it's basically stripped down most of these are stripped down android with some security features sometimes enabled that you know wouldn't be on on normal android phones maybe only on google phones or maybe not even there um and then they have their own applications and you obviously you can do end-to-end encryption right there's lots of technologies for that uh there's open source protocols um i mean you could use the probably you could use the signal protocol you know with your own servers you could do pgp certainly you could roll your own encryption which some of these do which is never a good idea generally um but so they had an android phone and they were marketing this pretty i mean for it looks like they marketed this directly at criminals mostly you can tell that by like their website looked, looked normal you know that it kind of they, they made like a mail out made it out to look like they, they're targeting normal consumers but i mean they had a like if you wanted to buy the phone you had to you know meet certain people <laughs> like they had a showroom in amsterdam uh i mean by that you can already tell okay amsterdam right uh it's like discreet showroom and also it costs like thousands of euros uh per year in subscription fees and that's not you know to use the service and that's not you can tell by that that's not end user oriented you could say, yeah, okay, it's like for dissidents and journalists, but like even journalists can't afford it. Like you'd, you'd have your, like you'd have to have your publication pay that, and they're like, why are we paying thousands of, the, of euros? For, what is this? Um, so obviously, it, it 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 in hindsight, it looks very much like it was a, um, a thing targeted the criminals. Of course, they only they don't say that on the website. It's one of these things where like you have to contact them, you know, contact them for a price or whatever. 
and that alone is in itself not end user oriented obviously um so police busted this open um the, the result was pretty spectacular so i'm reading a bit from the um from the vice story only now is the astonishing scale of the operation coming into focus it represents one of the largest law enforcement infiltrations of a communications network predominantly used by criminals ever with EncroChat users spreading beyond europe to the middle east and elsewhere French, Dutch, and other European agencies monitored and investigated, quote, more than 100 million encrypted messages, end quote, sent between EncroChat users in real time, leading to arrests in the UK, Norway, Sweden, France, and the Netherlands, a team of international law enforcement agency announced Thursday. Interestingly, there's no Germany is not on this list. The messages, quote, have given insight in an unprecedented large number of serious crimes, including large international drug shipments and drug labs, murders, thrashing, robberies. I don't even know what that is. That's when they, like, rob you and then destroy everything to cover the evidence. Extortions, robberies, grave assaults, and hostage takings. International drug and money laundering corridors have become crystal clear, end quote. Dutch law enforcement said... In the Netherlands alone, quote, the investigation has so far led to the arrest of more than 100 suspects, the seizure of drugs, more than 8,000 kilos cocaine and 1,200 kilos of crystal meth, the dismantling, the dismantling of 19 synthetic drug labs, the seizure of dozens of auto automatic fire weapons, or automatic in, in parentheses, so weapons, expensive watches and 25 cars, including vehicles with hidden compartments, and almost 20 million euros in cash, authorities said in a press release. Quote, I've never seen anything like that, like this, end quote. The source close to criminal users of Encrotet told motherboards, motherboards, that's vice, describing the law enforcement action. Um, and how did they, how did they do this? This is the uh, this is the interesting part because I mean this is an interesting story all in its own because you know uh, encrypted phones criminals drugs it's it's great but you know why are we talking about this on the privacy show because in the end and and I mean taking looking uh, aside from how this phone was marketed how expensive it was it was whatever there are other companies who do this stuff and you know the phones itself as i pointed out you can't really tell one from the other you know you know you'd have a privacy um something like the black phone which i guess back i don't know if they're even around anymore but you know they were clearly targeted at end users uh, you know consumers who wanted private phones you know there was going on in the wake of the snowden revelations um Obviously, they did target themselves at journalists and, you know, people like dissidents, people who just, you know, for legitimate reasons lead, need encrypted phones. And you can't really tell these companies apart from these other companies, um, not if you're like a consumer, right? Um, and at the end of the day, an encryption, end-to-end -end encryption is just a tool. It's like a hammer. This is why I always say, you know, it's, it's dumb to outlaw end-to-end -end encryption because there's lots of legitimate uses i mean companies use it yeah there'd be you know lawyers who would like to use this with their clients for legitimate reasons you know companies who have trade secrets to protect um and you know secure people in the security field who who need secure communications and you know maybe people investigating intelligence agencies or whatever you know stuff that intelligence agencies might be interested in would need such a device so 
you can't really outlaw that. It's like dumb. It's like outlawing a hammer because people get killed with hammers. I mean, we could have the same argument about guns, but that's always like politically charged. So let's stick with the hammer. Um, it's obviously dumb to outlaw hammers. <laughs> um, you need hammers. So, so that's, you also need end-to-end encryption. Now, the problem is, um, first of all, you can, as, as I'm going to talk a bit about later, I mean, you can get swept up in something like this. If like you use an, a secure messaging platform and criminals use this, uh, and the, the police goes in there and busts it wide open and collects all the messages, I mean, your messages will be collected within that. And there might be stuff in there that you don't want the police to see. And they actually got that legally, um, like the police in this case. So that's a problem. Um, it's also a problem, or interesting, this story, because we want to know if we use an end-to-end encrypted um, service, how you would attack this. And this is a very interesting real-life story. I mean, I've talked about how you would attack end-to-end encryption um, I've written articles about this. I've talked about this on the podcast, I think. But this is a very interesting, um, very real scenario of how this actually happened. So what happened was the following. Um, I think this started with French police. And I mean, there were like other, other they like other police uh, agencies across Europe were noticing that, you know, they were picking up criminals and they would have these phones from a company called AncroChat that probably never heard of. And I mean, this, this happened and we have like their news stories going back to 2016. Um, and then again, 2018, when, when these phones crop up in news stories and Vice has written about them before, which is, I think why Vice broke the story. Um, this guy, um, Joseph Cox, I think is his name who wrote this story is, is, you know, well, well worst. Yeah. Joseph Cox into these uh, circles. Uh, he's, he's got good, um, sources obviously and um so they they noticed that they had these phones and then apparently they they picked up these phones and tried to break like they were obviously okay this is, these are like encrypted phones and there's like we know that these people were picked up by criminals and we know that we that we just by observation that they use these to coordinate their crimes so let's break into the phone. And they couldn't break into the phone. And they had all these things where like uh, you had a lock screen and if you entered the, the code wrong several times, the device would completely wipe itself. Um, they discovered that there was a function where a user could add the lock screen, you know, where you put in your pin to unlock the device, um, could input a special pin, which immediately would wipe the whole device. And they would do that criminals would do that also this uh this device had apparently um so this is based on so the the one the story is based on i mean the one they sold mostly there are, there were probably other devices before this but it, it's based on a bq Aquari- aquarius x2 and bq bq is a spanish telecom provider i put a review in the in the show notes um of this phone i think this review is from 2016 the phone's a bit older um reviews from 2018 and uh, i found some stuff in german actually uh heise subsidiary reviewed this phone at some point as well um so this is just a cheap sub 300 euros android phone that you know has has middle class features 
that people were buying. You know, people, you could buy this off Amazon. Uh, people were like, okay, I need an unlocked Android phone. I want, you know, maybe, maybe I want to put my own Android, um, uh, flash my own ROM on it or something. You know, that, that was like the phone you would, you would buy for this kind of stuff. And so they had a, not only had they had the swipe feature, they also had, uh, a feature where you had two Android operating systems side by side that you can switch at boot time. So you could actually reboot the phone into a innocuous Android, right? So that it would just be vanilla Android. Um, so that people would notice that you had like a, another whole nother, um, operating system on there. Uh, you know, just another Android version with all these anchor chat features, because, you know, at some point, obviously police, was aware, even though they couldn't crack the phone, that you know the name EncroChat, that probably okay, this is used by criminals. That would make you suspicious, and um, so they couldn't crack this. So uh, they couldn't crack the the encryption because, from all we know, this was solid end-to-end encryption. So they did the thing you do um, when you when you can't when you're the police and you have uh, resources and you can't. Crack end-to-end encryption. Here's the thing you do, and this is something that's very important because you know we t- I talk about on the show about the crypto wars, and you know I talked about the Earnit Act, which I have some feedback later in the show as well from a producer. Uh, and um, th- there's always these these jo- uh, the, not journalists, um, uh, these these politicians who um, who say, ah, oh, we must outlaw end-to-end encryption, or we must backdoor all devices because otherwise we can't. Um, we can't prevent this kind of thing. But the, here's the argument. Here's how you prevent it. So the police, I don't know if even the, the, the French police first found this phone. So, you know, there was obviously an inter-European, I think through Europol uh, operation. There were several operations where they noticed and they were working on these phones, right? And they had, uh, but I think the the French police was, 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 was there early on. I think it was sold there a lot. And so they they couldn't crack these phones. They, then they got some funding from the, um, uh, I think even from the European Union. I mean, they have some internal, you know, police uh, projects where they, you know, get tech funding and stuff like that. So they figured out the servers were in France. So these devices were using central servers, um, as pretty much all of these devices do. I mean, there are a few that are completely peer-to-peer, but they tend to not work very well, especially for, for calls and for video chat functions and stuff like that. And these devices, actually, they were pretty... I mean, they, they were d- disabling um, the, the GPS and the camera and stuff like that uh, on, on the microphone, like other, like other from, you know, other than the telephone function, I think. Um they were disabling this in the firmware, the, the manufacturer side. This is pretty cool. Um, so you can spy on them, on the user, if, you know, if the device got owned. And this is actually what they did. So they discovered, okay, the servers are in um, in France. So I think they seized the servers or they got access to the servers at, uh, you know, they probably figured out what the provider was and then went, got court orders and went to the provider and um, obviously muzzled them so they couldn't tell this company, which was their customer, that, you know, the police now has access to your service. And they put malware on the device. They did what you do if you can't crack end-to-end encryption, you, you crack the device, right? You get on the device 
put malware on there, uh, which enables you to obviously uh, read the messages before they're encrypted. Because just quick review in case you're new to this kind of stuff, end-to-end encryption means that you have two phones. Um, so I have a phone, you have a phone. I send you a message. End-to-end encryption means it will get encrypted on my device and decrypted on your device and nobody in between can read it. This is different from transport uh, encryption when, uh, you know, if you visit a website or um, just if it's just something's normally transport encrypted, if I send you something, a message, then it will be encrypted. There will be an encrypted tunnel from me to the server of the app, let's say, and then from the server of the app to your phone, which means that on the server, people can read stuff. Um, with end-to-end encryption, that's not the case. But access to the server is still valuable because you can, I mean, that's where the phone gets its updates from, right? So you can when the, you can push malicious updates to phones or to, to specific phones even because you can identify if you have all the information the company has because you, you have access to their server. Maybe you've cloned their server and they don't know or you're on the server and they don't know. Um, you can do all this kind of stuff. And what you then do is obviously the message is, you know, you're typing it in, it's plain text. It then gets encrypted by an app and then gets sent and, or it get, gets received and then decrypted and then shown to you. And there is just no technical way, you know, if your phone isn't secure, if there's malware on your phone, there's no way to prevent that. Um, of course, yeah, there's app sandboxing and, you know, malware isn't malware, um, so if, if you just have a malicious app in Android, right, if they manage to install a malicious app, that probably can't see into your encrypted chat app. So you couldn't do that. But I mean, they got access to the server. So they got access probably to the update mechanism. Um, or we know they got access to the update mechanism. And which which then means if they put a malicious update on the server and your phone ins- installs it, the update comes from like, you know, the police instead of the company who owns the server. Uh, but this, they then own your phone, right? This update gets installed with system level privileges. They have all, they, you know, they have the same access to your phone as the manufacturer has, which means they have all, they, you know, they have all rights. They can do anything. Um, and this whole thing um, started to get noticed. Well, at first in May, in May of this year, some users contacted of EncroChat, contacted the company and said, this this wipe feature isn't working. Right? I tried to wipe my phone and it doesn't work. Now, the this company, the company, according to the information that Vice has, um, at first thought this was like a user error. Which happens. You know, user forgot their pin or whatever, or put and entered the wrong pin. Uh, they then thought, okay, maybe the, the, so this kept happening with other phones, I'm guessing. And then they were like, okay, maybe it, something is misconfigured on this phone. Something's wrong. So at some point they get, um, they have, they have the ability to get, to have a user who has this problem, give them one of their phones and the company looks at it. And this is when they discover, okay, the wiping problem isn't a user error. It's not a misconfiguration. Uh, the phone had malware installed on it. And this malware um, was designed to conceal itself so you wouldn't find it. And it could actually record the, the the screen lock password. And 
also clone application data. So the police would have all the unenc- all the messages sent on the phone and they could get the lock password. So they would target specific phones and get malware on there and then, you know, disable the wipe feature. So if they picked somebody up, you know, they knew who this phone was, they were probably surveilling them. If they picked them up, they tried to wipe their phone, wouldn't work. And also they could read all the messages uh, in real time, pretty much. Now, this is okay. EncroChat was like, okay, this is an attack. And they tried to update these. They tried to push an update that restored this func- functionality. Um, and, you know, they basically wanted to get rid of the, the malware. They wanted to uh, prevent further damage. And they also put, like, man- monitoring... Uh, in place it doesn't say in the story if that's on the phones or on the servers you know to to keep monitoring the phone probably both to 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 see what the problem was but um as the story says quote um but uh, almost immediately after the patch the attacker struck again this time seemingly harder the malware was back and now it could change the lock screen password rather than just record it the hackers were not stopping they were escalating going into full emergency mode EncroChat sent a message to its users informing them of the ongoing attack the company company also informed its sim provider dutch telecommunications firm kpn which then blocked connections to the malicious server the associate claimed EncroChat cut it cut its own sim service it had an update schedule to push to the phones but it couldn't guarantee whether that update itself wouldn't be carrying malware too that and many cap that and and maybe kpm was working with the authorities encrochat's statement suggested kpm declined to comment shortly after encrochat restored sim service as shortly after EncroChat restored some service, KPN removed the firewall, allowing the hacker service to communicate with the phones once again. EncroChat was trapped. EncroChat decided to shut itself down entirely. Quote, when we took the decision to immediately shut down the sims and the network, the associate wrote, EncroChat, uh, the, the associate wrote, sorry, quote, we then took the decision to immediately shut down the sims and the network, the associate wrote, I need more coffee. EncroChat suspected this wasn't a rival company trying to mess with its infrastructure. This was likely a government. And, you know, they go into how these these criminal or, you know, borderline secure phone companies, they do this all the time. Like they push out YouTube videos saying like the other company is hacked and whatever. Um, Other phones can be hacked. Due to the level of sophistication of the attack and the malware code, we can no longer guarantee the security of your device, a message EncroChat sent to its users read. You are advised to power off and physically dispose your device immediately. Um, but, you know, at this point, it's already too late. So, so it looks like from the police records, they were in, to, in these phones there. There's records from back, back until April, I guess. And... Um, yeah, um, so they have, they got into this and, and could read all these um, uh, messages. As the, the French police uh, says in, in their statement when when this was revealed, uh, the, so they made like arrests all over, you know, simultaneously all over Europe. And then, you know, they, they released this information. The investigation made it possible to gather elements on the technical functioning of the solution, that's EncroChat, and led to the establishment of a technical device thanks to which unencrypted communications from users could be obtained. 
they, I mean, they're coaching this because they want to don't want to say what they did, but you know, malware. Um, question is, did they develop that malware themselves, or you know, was it bought from? I mean, there companies who do this kind of stuff. Um, I think they're probably at least. I mean, yeah, you could say they 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 integrated it into the service, but you know, these malware companies where you can buy this malware for hire, you know, it's, Israeli companies are well known for this kind of stuff. Um, they can you can take or there's German companies as well. Um, they customize the stuff for you as well, so you could probably give them access to the server and give them a firmware update, or not not direct access, but you know, give them an existing ROM for a phone like this, and they just built their malware in there. Um, the French authorities also pointed to the legal mechanism that allows for the capture of computer data by such a tool, quote, without the consent of the interested parties to access in any places computer data, to record it, to keep it, and to transmit it. So this is legal, and this is another thing we need to be aware of, because um, if you're using such a device, and also criminals also use it, and you use it for legitimate reasons, and criminals also use it, you can get swept up in an investigation like this and it's totally legal um, it's probably also legal for the police to look at that and to keep the, your data even though if you're not um, you're not suspected of any crimes and you know the story goes into what they you know all these images of like mountains of drugs and stuff um, uh, quoting right now the criminal world is in disarray the main way of communication ruptured. Paranoid, some people are going offline, unsure of what devices to trust. Others are trying to cross borders before they are detained. The source closed to criminal EncroChat users said. The source said that buying drugs in bulk just got a lot harder. They added, everybody's going to ground. The messages stretched back months with some of the documents dating to April, months before EncroChat discovered the malware. So, um, I mean, they were owned. I mean, they could they were thoroughly owned. Obviously, they didn't even discover it themselves, right? They discovered when users discovered problems and told them, uh, and then they started look in, looking into it, and then they discovered they were hacked. But even then, they obviously didn't know the full extent because, you know, I mean, they tried to push that update and stuff like that. Um, so that's how you do it. Um, and it is this shows that this is in the realm of possibility. And especially, right, what we have here is a story where, you know, it's, I mean, it's probably pretty much legitimate. I, 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 it looks like, you know, I buy it that this was mostly used by criminals, especially because the devices were so expensive. Um, and I mean, this Joseph Cox guy, he knows what he's talking about. So I, I pretty much trust his reporting on this. Um, but the thing is, this shows you that if police can do that, you know, intelligence services can do this, could are doing this and the difference between intelligence services and the police is the police at some point has to come out and say what they did and their lawsuits you know there there's the prosecution is happening and i mean they will try to protect their technical know-how but you know it gets out because the police is publicly accountable for this kind of thing and intelligence services aren't so they are doing this stuff and you never know, right? It might come out 30 years later, like that um, crypto AG thing. So it's 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 pretty interesting if you look into where the, this, these phones come from. You know, there's several companies that are um, 
doing stuff like that. But, you know, they were the biggest one. Um, there's another company now, it's called Omerta Advertising, was already advertising, like, when they were took down to an Encro chat, uh, chat was taken down. They were like, the king is dead. Uh, you know, now we come over to us, there's uh, discounts and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, there were actually people bragging on Twitter with these devices. So at some point it would would have, you know, if you're selling stuff like this, it's a thousand of criminals can't really hide at some, sometimes at some point it comes out, you know, and then it's for the police. It's just uh, too valuable to not get into, you know, to not try to hack and get, get into stuff. And it also also shows that, you know, putting malware on devices, you know, if the it sounds bad, if anybody from police is listening, I'm I'm not trying to demean you by saying this, but you know, if if a local uh police force can do this, even like with money from the EU, pretty much anybody can can do something like this. I mean, the criminals can do something like this, you know, own a server. I mean, uh, we know that state actors can do this. I mean, we learned this with NotPetya. Uh, you know, they owned uh, a, uh, you know, this Ukrainian tech software server and, and pushed out their malware through updates there. Um, so these kind of things, what they call in, in InfoSec circles, you call supply chain attacks. Uh, they, they are pretty powerful, but, you know, you can, you can, it looks like pretty much anybody who's got some resource can do this now. I mean, I mean, the police probably has some, some, um, is ahead of others because there are companies, these companies, which, you know, I don't think they're, <laughs> ah, it's, you know, you, we could have a discussion at some point if they're moral, if if it's ethically okay to, you know, develop malware and sell that. Um, because often, they will say, oh, we only say sell to police and really they don't. And, you know, there could be police in countries where, you know, the police is not very uh, democratically, uh, doesn't have much democratic oversight, let's put it that way. But, you know, the, the police can get easier access to this kind of stuff because they are the police, right? So they, they can legitimately buy buy software. And, you know, the German German police, is, we have this thing called the Staatstrojaner, which they've been developing for years, which is like, you know, basically um, they made it legal for the police in, in, in certain certain cases. They're, you know, a judge obviously has to sign, up, up, uh, sign off on it and it has to be... Um, major crimes um they can you know trojan your computer and this is it's not the police developing this kind of stuff right this companies and as i said they, they do tailor this stuff it's like a service you buy a service from them um they, they if you if you're like i need to get it on this device and we have access to the update mechanism then they'll probably tailor that for you so i thought this was a a very interesting story there's some more details on this on the show notes private citizen press if you want to read a bit more into it i found it found it very um yeah fancy details details intriguing as well but i don't want to go into them too much on the show you know um I'm, I'm trying to keep these things engaging for people and not so much into the technical details as well so um anyway more details in the show notes one thing i do want to wait i'll have to adjust my pop shield here a bit sorry i noticed i'm still still popping even though i have the pop shield i don't i don't like that I don't like that happening. Um, one other thing I want you to get into with this is uh, what I call the other 10%. Uh, 
because reading from the story, in a statement sent to Motherboard by someone in control of a company email address, EncroChat positions itself as a legitimate company with customers in 140 countries. But sources in the criminal underground say that many of EncroChat's customers are criminals. French authorities said they estimated that more than more than 90% of the company's French customers were, quote, engaged in criminal activity. But just imagine you're part of the, the 10%, right? So if they th- sold thousands of phones, that's, you know, let's say in France, that's a legitimate number. Like those 10%, those are people that for some reason thought this was a legitimate company and bought devices and needed secure uh, communications. And now their stuff is in the hands of the police. Um so going on here in the in the press release French authorities wrote quote despite the findings of the criminal use of EncroChat terminals so phones um that they hope you, that they hope quote users claiming to be of good faith and wishing to have their personal data deleted from the legal proceedings can send their request to the investigation department end quote now <laughs> okay even if you're a legitimate user, right? We're thinking you're in a position. Let me put it this way. If that was me, if for some reason I had bought a phone, like, you know, let's, let's say I bought a number of these phones to, you know, let's say I'm a high profile investigative journalist and I'm doing like, I don't know, political stuff or, you know, stuff that's dangerous or whatever. And for some reason, I had bought um, a number of these phones, and I'm using them to to coordinate things and to talk to sources. Right? I might send one to a source, a high profile source, whatever. Um, and this is all legitimate. This, I'm I'm pressed. I'm doing legitimate work here. There's there's nothing illegal. And even if there was stuff illegal there, I'd probably be protected, right? You know, it's. In, I, I can't speak for other jurisdictions necessarily, but in Germany, it's like this press protection is not like, it's not an, an exemption in the law telling, it's, you know, so people often understand it, which is wrong, uh, saying, you know, if, if you're the press, you can do certain things that are illegal. That's not how it works. You can't do, you're not allowed to do things that are illegal. But um, there is a, um, it's not in the law per se, it's more like a, um, an understanding of the of how democracy works and an understanding of prosecutors and judges of how the system works and and legal precedent that kind of says right so if we're investigating stuff and we find something illegal but this is like a journalist who's done this in the legitimate um pursuit of a story then they will usually not like prosecutors if they, you know, I mean, some do, but generally if they know what they're doing and if they are of good faith, um, they would not even start a prosecute. They would just like drop this, right? And and even if they started the prosecution, then probably there'd be a judge and there'd be a case and you'd be like, I'm a journalist. I can prove here I was writing this story. This is why I was doing this. Um, there's no other way for me to do this. And then the judge would go, okay, we dropped the case. This is a journalist. They, you know, this is how, how usually how it works. Um, so a an an one one example would be a, a hypothetical example. So 
if I'm an IT security journalist, which I am, um, and I get sent, so a source tells me, look, um, there's this huge company, a uh, huge German company, let's say an ISP or a telecom provider, and they've been hacked. And users' data has been is out on the internet and everybody can access it, access it and people are at risk here because their passwords are being um, leaked, um, accounts are being broken into, they're being scammed by people who have their information and they don't know and the company that got hacked is acting in bad faith. They know they're acted. Then, then here I can prove this to you. They know the information is out there, but they're not informing their customers. Now, it would be my job as a journalist to write a story about this, because the public needs to know. Um, there's, you know, ethical ways and proper ways to go about it. You know, you contact the company, give them reason to res- give them, you know, time to respond, uh, the opportunity to respond. You would. If I would do a story, I would uh, prefer like my my one of my highest goals would be that the whatever security hole that was used to spill this information gets closed before I publish the story, so nobody can um, exploit it anymore and stuff like that. Um, but now to prove the story, if I have a so let's say the company flat out denies, and this will happen, right? So they know you're a journalist. You have one source, might not be trustworthy. They go, no, some they're lying. This has not happened. And you know, from my experience, even with big companies, in about seventy-five percent of cases, this is their first response. They're like, this is not true. Um, and then you prove it to them. And then in some cases they admit it. In some cases they will never admit it until you published it. And then, then the PR department will go into action. Um, but you know, if let's say they do that and let's say I have a source, a credible source, um, that's been provided me with information it's to publish a story. When the comp- when the company says, uh, this hasn't happened, I have to kind of prove that it happened. Um, and one of the possibilities would be, um, the source giving me, um, access. Let's say they have access to the service, right? Then there's the security vulnerability, which the company has denied. Uh, the source has information. They're like, here, you can look at the service for yourself. Now, if I do that, if I'd go and access the service to prove, like, completely in good faith, I don't want anybody's secret information. I don't want to mess with the service. I just want to prove that the security vulnerability exists so I can, in good faith, publish my story. Um, that would be illegal. I would be accessing other computer systems. I would I would put myself uh, in jeopardy there uh, to get sued, uh, to get, you know, not even like, that, that's a criminal. That wouldn't even be like, you know, I mean, civil suit can always happen, but that would be a criminal offense. I'd, I'd be, you know, the police would have, if they know about this, they would have to uh, investigate me. Now, sometimes that's the only way to to be ethical as a journalist to prove. So you you, you know there might be a point where you do that. You, you go in there, you check, um, you'd, you'd you'd make sure you can you can document that the security vulnerability exists. And then you'd back out immediately. You wouldn't do anything. You wouldn't change any data. You'd basically just take a few screenshots, redact all personally identifiable information, and back out. Right, and if you then publish your story, and then the police, you know, the company would go, ah, oh, they they hacked our service, and the police would investigate. Um, this is how, like in Germany, press protection works. Um, you would go the, to the police and say, yes, I did this. 
Um, I had to do it because I had to prove, you know, in it was it was in the in my in in the um, process of my personal um, of my job, right? It's, it's my job to do this. This I was doing this during in my job. I was doing this on all of this. So um, anyway, still. You would prefer the police not to know this kind of stuff, right? Because you'd have to defend yourself and all this kind of stuff. Also, um, you might have... Um, so in the process of proving this kind of stuff, sometimes you need to find out who your source is. And you need to find as much information about your source as, as, as possible. Maybe not in this case, but let's say it's like this, you're investigating corruption and your source is a mem board member of a company. And they're like, I can't take this anymore. Um, I have to tell the press, but you know, they can't, you can't use my name, right? I, I protect my source at all costs, but I would probably, if I was going to write about this, try to get, have the source prove to me who they are. Right. If they say I'm a board member in this high profile company, I'd have to go, right, prove to me that you're a board member of this high profile company. And then they would send me all this information that I needed, that I also need to keep probably. If I later on, if anything happens and people are, you know, doubting my story or I get sued or whatever, I need to prove that the source is credible. So I need to keep this information, but I would keep that information encrypted, of course, and protected basically with my life because that's my highest. Um, this is one of my highest uh, ideals, like as a journalist, right? You need to protect your sources. Um, so this is the kind of information that could end up with the police in this kind of situation, and you don't want that. Uh, and that that's why that's why these these stories affect all of us. Um, and you know, colleagues who write about this in the mainstream who are like, yeah, this is only criminals, you know. No, I mean, this is, there's legitimate people using these. And these are just tools, like encryption is just tools. Phones like this are just tools. Sometimes you don't know that the company is not legitimate. I mean, there's stories in this. Uh, you can read in the uh, in the show notes in this, in this Vice story about previous companies who were legitimate companies and then turned into kind of... Uh, shady operations got involved with crime there, there are some of these phone companies or these device os makers who, who were run by drug cartels but you don't know that right um i don't know i've used signal i don't know you know tomorrow that could be i don't want to slander anybody you know just as an example you use a a a a an app or a device because you, you trust it and then next day it comes out, oh, it's all used by all these criminals and it's shut down now and the police has seized the service and have all the messages. Um, this is why this kind of stuff is, is, is really important. Also, when the police say, oh, you can contact us to delete this information, I don't think I would contact the police. First of all, I don't want to call attention to that material. Secondly, never talk to the police. <laughs> Uh, there's a good YouTube video in case there's a, I mean, this is based on American law, uh, but I think it's it pretty much goes wherever you are. Uh, don't talk to police. Don't talk to the police. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and, and you, I mean, I, 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 I write about these things, uh, talk about these things. And I, I, I have friends who are investigators and uh, who are police officers and I write stories. I, I say something like this on a podcast and afterwards I talk to them and they're like, Dude, don't say that. <laughs> You're not helping. We're trying to catch bad guys, but you know it's the truth. If I, if I, eh, it's the truth. 
It's like, it's true. It's like no agenda. Uh, I mean, if I was completely fair, I was going to say never talk to the press. He's... <laughs> It's kind of would kind of destroy my uh, my job, but you know, I mean, you there's a there's a myth out there that if you're completely innocent and you've got nothing to fear, uh, you got no problem talking to the police, and that just isn't isn't true. Um, talking to the police can definitely get you in trouble, even though if, you know, if you're innocent. Look up this video; it's like a um, defense lawyer, I think. Um, Never talk to the police. It's it's all over YouTube. Um, I should probably put that in the show notes now. Ah, God. Why do I do these things? Why do I... Um, why do I... Why do I do this to me, to myself? Uh, never talk to the police. Uh, immediately. YouTube never talk. You find it immediately. Um, it's from the... It's a video from the Regent University School of Law. Regent Law Professor... Professor James Duane gives his viewers startling reasons why they should never always, why they should always exercise their First Amendment right when questioned by government officials. It's, it's, a, it's a great talk. Um, it's a, it's forty five minutes long, but it's great, um, and it's pretty much the same, Jeremy. I mean, here's not the Fifth Amendment, but you know we have uh, stuff like that as well. Uh, laws you don't have to incriminate yourself. I think it's pretty much the same in every self respecting. Uh, lawful society um so yeah you probably wouldn't do that <laughs> i but, but you know they're tongue-in-cheek like quoting on from spice story they so the french police they also invited administrators or managers of EncroChat itself to contact them if they wanted to discuss the legality of law enforcement deploying the technical tool to read messages yeah, they'll probably uh, immediately uh, arrest them and then discuss some other um, legality of things with them as well. Which, you know, fair play. Uh, fair play for the police to try that. <laughs> kind of cracks me up, but uh, it's, a, it's a nice try. Um, yeah, so I've, I've talked to a lot of police officers in the past. Uh, you know, I, I meet them, I, I write stuff, stories about end-to-end encryption stuff and, and, and about like their um how they how they investigate stuff like this you know basically like this uh vice story uh and i then meet police officers and, and investigators and even in some cases intelligence officials <laughs> Uh, at you know security conferences for example and then you you talk and they're like yeah don't tell them so many details <laughs> um, but you know uh, that's we have different i always try to tell them look i i and I'm, I'm i'm i mean this i i respect your job i respect what you're doing it's it's important for society um yeah with intelligence officials there is there's nuances to that i wouldn't i wouldn't just say that unequivocal unequivocally but you know the police is uh despite what people are currently uh going through especially in the u.s and you know the police like any organizations has grave problems of course with racism and other things um i've talked about this on the show before so i'm not going to go into that um you know i had a special episode on that but um the if you in case you want to listen to that god um, that was episode, oh, that's, uh, it's been a while ago. It's already scrolled off the front page. 
episode 22. Um, but, you know, I, I respect, when it comes to police, I respect what they do. They have a important role in a, in a democracy, right? But I always have, I, always, I think as a journalist also have an important role, and my role is different. Their role is catching bad guys. My go- role is um, telling people what they need to know. And I don't differentiate, right? I can't differentiate. When I write something, a reader or a listener to this podcast might either be a person, another journalist, a private citizen, <laughs> who just, you know, just a private citizen who wants to um, protect their own communication. And I don't know if they're a criminal. I don't know if they use the information I'll give them for criminal means. But I, if if I go and like, oh, this could be used for criminal means, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't write about anything, right? Anything can be used for criminal means, right? You can, if, if you're like a, a tool manufacturer, uh, half of your tools can be used to dismember people or like torture them. And you can't go around going, well, yeah, you could use this hammer to bash somebody's head and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop making hammers, right? There's millions of people who need hammers for legitimate reasons. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of, kind of the thing. And so to, uh, to end this, speaking of hammers and things that can be used to torture people, um, one of the most striking stories that came out of this, which I just wanted to mention a little bit, I mean, this has nothing to do with the encryption stuff, but just to see what kind of stuff they, um, these investigators found, there was a story from the BBC, and I'm just going to read some uh, extracts from this because I pretty much think it, it speaks for itself. Six men have been arrested in the Netherlands following the discovery of seven shipping containers converted into cells and torture chambers. The containers were located in Vauze Plantage, south of Rotterdam, after French police cracked encrypted phones used by criminals. It's the anchor chat story. Dutch police said the containers were found before they were used, and potential victims were now in hiding. Um... And, and potential victims were now in hiding. Inside the containers were the dentist chair with straps and handcuffs. The su- suspects were arrested on the 22nd of June following a Franco-Dutch operation to infiltrate the EncroChat encrypted phone system. After locating the containers in April in Vauze Plantage near the, Belg- near the Belgian border, police put an area under observation and found that multiple men were working on them almost every day. When the containers were almost finished, investigators decided to intervene. In one container, they also discovered police clothing and bulletproof vests. In another, they located pruning shears, scalpels, and balaclavas. This is like right out of GTA. It's just... I mean, if you look at the pictures of the containers... So just... I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to put that in at the end here is not... I mean, it's, it's interesting, but it's also, it shows that, you know, this this operation, I don't want to paint this. Some people paint, oh, the police is evil. They're cracking, you know, they're trojaning phones, whatever. I mean, they do this for legitimate reasons. There are bad people out there doing bad shit. And I support this kind of thing, generally. I mean, I don't want to end up, um, you know, I don't want them to crack the software I'm using and, and my information I want to keep keep for myself or keep secret with sources or with you know, for whatever reasons. I don't want that to end up in the hand of the, the police. But 
I much prefer they do this where they own like, go and own a server and hack that and you know put malware on phones to them always trying to backdoor all end-to-end encryption because or you know even outlaw end-to-end encryption you know classic crypto war stuff because that would just massively uh put an onus on using encryption and i'm with so if you if you ever heard if you ever hear dingledine um roger dingledine the founder of the tor uh, network talk about anything when he talks about tor the first thing he always says is or the reiterates all of his like talks is we need more people using this stuff because it it becomes dangerous when only criminals use this, these tools use encryption because then uh, politicians and you know journalists that are maybe misguided or whatever they can they can use this to write stories where it's basically the stories if you use encryption then you're a bad guy right you p- paint a target on your back and you do that if you use tor you paint a target on your back but we need people to paint targets on their backs otherwise if only bad people use this kind of stuff it gets much easier to outlaw that and we all you lose the uh use of these tools and yes, I mean, you could argue there could be an argument, you know, we've outlawed guns in many countries, uh, so or severely restricted them, um, so we could use that with te- with certain technologies. Yeah, but I feel like guns is in this case a good example because um, no matter how strict your gun control is, organized criminals always have guns, right? They always use guns, and there's an argument to be had, you know, strict gun control minimizes other people having guns true but like outlawing a technology doesn't solve this problem if we outlaw it end-to-end encryption these are criminals right they're drug runners drug cartels they, they don't care if the technology is outlawed they're outlawed already right they're already killing people <laughs> can't get any worse right they, they won't get like more jail time for using a technology that's not allowed right so that doesn't really really work so I generally support this kind of thing. I I think, okay, with this platform, maybe 90% of criminals were using this and that's why they owned all the phones or whatever. I generally would prefer if they broke into um, another platform, um, they, they target people they're actually uh, surveilling anyway uh, and not get sweep up all these innocent people especially if it's a target if it's a platform that's used predominantly just by normal people um who just want after snowden or whatever want more privacy um so but you know generally i prefer this to to people advocating you know backdoors uh by law or outlawing encryption i think this is a good argument that you can bring up in these discussions and say you know what about encro chat you know the police still the police has means to bust these and if according to their own to what they say themselves this was a huge success so you know why not why not just keep doing that and at the end of course now there will be arguments uh, we really need decentralized systems and you know this has only happened because they have a centralized server but you know i don't think there's a solution I mean, there are technical solutions. You can sign your updates. You can probably decentralize your whole update system and then just have decentralized trust for the updates. But, but you know, 
Uh, that always has problems. I mean, just see PGP. I think that'll be probably be hard to uh, to solve. But if you think you have a solution for this kind of stuff or anything, if you have any comments on what I've just said, please write in because I depend on that. You listen to this. You're not only a listener, you're a producer. I want you to step up. You don't have to support the show monetarily, but you know, it'd be nice if you have a comment, if you send me that comment. So there are many ways to do this. Uh, if you go to privatecitizen.press, contact link in the footer there's under producer feedback which we're going to get to in a second on that segment there is a uh, link there um they those links go to fab.industries slash contact that's my main personal site as well you know i have email on there you can tweet me at fab uh, fox alpha bravo sierra hotel at fox alpha bravo sierra hotel at fab um but also there's a encrypted end-to-end encrypted uh, whistleblower kind of thing if you want to be private. Um, this is a private citizen after all. Please get in touch. I would uh, I would appreciate that very much. I really like getting feedback and having those discussions with people. And speaking of having those discussions, need more coffee. Wait, wait for it. Here comes the juice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little expanse reference there. Um, yeah, speaking of having those discussions with people, um, I do really appreciate producer feedback. Today we have one message that I've received via Patreon, um, which is pretty long, but uh, very interesting, I thought. So I'm going to read that out and then uh, I'm going to talk about it. So it comes from Butterbeans, who is in uh, the great state of Tennessee where they make all the uh, bourbon. <laughs> uh, Butterbean says, Okay, Fab, cracks knuckles. I can't really, can't really crack knuckles. I kind of hate that song. But I can't really, can't really do it. I could crack my back probably. Wait. Ah, yeah, that works. <laughs> okay, Fab, cracks knuckles. I'm a little late to the party because I just listened to episode 30 yesterday. I appreciate your analysis of the Earned Act. I understand its implications much much better thanks to you. However, I want to push back on two things. And, you know, Butterbean's obviously in the US. Um, and this being US law. So this is great that he's writing in and telling me this. Uh, I want to push back on two things. The first is your opinion that the Earned Act will become law soon. There's still a lot of political legwork that needs to take place before that happens it's likely to reach a full senate vote in the republican controlled senate soon but they'll then need to pass in the dem i thought that that already had happened oh no that was just the yeah okay so that was just the um the the committee right the uh what's that called the legis the what's that committee called jesus christ uh wait and now the judiciary committee yeah exactly so that that was that right and then um it's likely to reach a full Senate vote in the Republican-controlled Senate soon, but it'll then need to pass in the Democrat-controlled House, and revisions may get made there. If so, the bill will get sent back to the Senate for approval again, and so on. I could be wrong, and it may fly through the House as is, but given its contentious nature, I'd be surprised if it arrives on Trump's desk for, sig for signature anytime soon. Um, so on that, just quickly... Um, yeah, uh, awesome. Thanks for that um, 
viewpoint, um, you might be completely right. So I was going by first what uh, the you know the, the the press in the U.S. was reporting because obviously I'm not in the U.S. and I already feel like I I spend too much time with U.S. politics as it is. Um, I'm I'm kind of dismayed that ever since Trump, the German press is so preoccupied with U.S. politics when we have a lot of shit going on here that's flying under the radar. Uh, but yeah, so I was going by that. And I was also, to be honest, leaning in the direction. So my personal opinion is that uh, the House Democrats currently under Pelosi um, seem to do nothing else, at least from what I'm seeing, than trying to get Trump out of office any way possible. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm you know, that, that this might just go through. I'm also thinking because this is actually quite a bipartisan bill because both parties have. You know, they're like these, they're always, I mean, this is not US specific, it's the same in Germany, there's always representatives who are close to um, the intelligence circles or, you know, police or investig investigators, and they create these laws and then um, they, they, they garner support. And, you know, generally people are, you know, oh, this is for the police, this is against child porn, and you can get these laws passed with this kind of stuff. But I don't know. Maybe Butterbeans is right. And that would probably be good because this is not a not a law we need uh, for reasons we discussed uh, quite quite at length in, in, in today's episode. Anyway, Butterbeans goes on. The second, so the second point he's taking issue with. Uh, second is regarding your statements about Twitter or Facebook's obligations to police material on their sites. You suggested that Twitter shouldn't fact-check Trump's tweets and hide behind the Section 230 shield, providing a platform for public discourse and nothing else. On paper, I think that makes sense, but reality is much different. Twitter or Facebook, and I mean Facebook in its many forms, including Instagram, WhatsApp, etc., have essentially become the nervous system of Western Internet, and dissemination of misleading information on these platforms have become fantastic tools for manipulation. The ability to target individuals with a level of granularity never before achievable is powerful and your opinion that individuals should do fact-checking themselves overstates the desire and perhaps the capability of many people furthermore trump is the president of the yes and should be held to a higher standard for what he disseminates to the public than the average individual how would you feel if Mer merkel started promoting anti-vaxxer articles should she be freely able to do this because voters are responsible for their own fact-checking um okay i'm gonna go into now he says anyways all i'm saying is that entities like twitter and facebook that have become part of the fabric of online social discourse must must acknowledge the capabilities their platforms have for manipulation shouldn't hide behind section 230 to provide a quote dumb platform and nothing else um, now if you want to argue th that these entities have become too big and should be considered for antitrust legislation that's something i'll get onto your side about i actually don't think that actually, I don't feel like they they got too big. I don't I don't think that's an issue at all. Um, so let's let's talk about this. So you have this. I mean, you, you're obviously being a bit polemic here, which fair fair play. I was you know I do this quite a lot. Um, I I don't think anybody's hiding behind Section Two Thirty. I think Section Two Thirty is a very um, It's 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 a it's a good law. I mean, it's it's a, it makes sense. It's a it's um it's a very sensible uh, law. I mean, this this basically says you are a communications platform, not an editorial publication, and they're not hiding behind that. They're not an editorial publication. 
I, as I pointed out in that episode, when they start um, fact-checking Trump's tweets, they are actually giving up this, you know, what you say, this shield but that they're hiding behind. They're giving that up. They're becoming an editorial publication. I think actually they should lose their Section 330 protection, which is something Trump, I guess, said as well. And I do agree with him on that. Um that's how the that's how that law works, and it it makes complete sense. I understand your point that Twitter, Facebook, WhatsApp have become uh, the nervous system of the the you know of our of, of our world. They become our social means of communicating with one another. But the solution is not to go. In my this is my opinion now. Obviously, every everything I'm saying now here, um, the solution is not to go and um, police that because. What you're basically doing here is, I mean, Twitter, I mean, this is a lot of it is public, uh, but, you know, WhatsApp stuff like that. WhatsApp has become um, phone calls, right? The stuff you you talk about, the links you send with your family, whatever, this, the, the messages you talk about in, in your little Facebook groups and in your private whatsapp groups and your your family that's the stuff you 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 know a few years ago would have would have discussed with with your parents or your friends when you had them over for dinner or on your phone and when you're talking about the platform must go in there and police this kind of stuff and censor misinformation then you're basically advocating that a few days back like somebody would come around to your private dinner or listen into your phone call and then go no 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 you can't say that you know this goes click oh this is the state speaking by the way this is anti-vaxxer propaganda that that isn't true the state and we as a society must accept that people share information that is not true and that might be propaganda. We must accept that. We can't go in there and have this. Um, this I don't know where this comes from. It's a, I, I see this with um, with lots of progressive people and progressive media people. This understanding that we must eradicate this wrongful information that's out there that is that is dangerous. There has always been wrongful information. There's wrongful information in the press, in TV shows, in in the encyclopedias, it, this is not something that is new on the internet. It, it's become, it's changed and it's become more prevalent on the internet, but so has anything else. Along with this um, wealth of, you know, what one could call misinformation or propaganda, we also have a wealth of knowledge that we can have access to. And if there is a problem here, then it is exactly, I mean, you're saying, yes, I overestimate my ability for individuals to check this for themselves. You're completely right. This is why this podcast is only listened to by a few people who are nerds. <laughs> no offense. Um, I mean this in an in, in endearing way. I'm a nerd. We are intelligent people, right? Every I feel like a lot of everybody probably listened to this podcast is 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 way above. I wouldn't even say intelligence, just self-awareness, awareness of the world and the people you just meet in your daily lives. And yes, I'm aware that that is not a, probably not a workable solution, but it's the only, only solution we have. You cannot have private companies go on, decide. I mean, how would you decide if something, let's, uh, if something is uh, propaganda, like, misleading information fake news propaganda anti-vaxxer conspiracy how do you decide that the the world is not black and 
white. You can't just say, oh, well, I mean, with some stuff, it's easy. Yes, we are pretty much all in agreement that the world isn't flat, right? But I could quote you legitimate uh, research that that is, has been published in the, the leading world's leading uh, medical journals that discusses serious problems with vaccinations, right? And then those are facts. Those are scientific facts. I mean, I could dress them up in conspiracy theories and say, see, this is why nobody could should get vaccinated, which is, of course, bullshit. But, like, the, the actual facts would be facts. How do you fact-check those, right? And this fact-checking is very dangerous, especially Twitter, what they're doing. They, I mean, the New York Times, in my opinion, the New York Times started this with their... Um, there's, there's like, I, I read this, um, these, uh, publications from my, my professional organization, like journal, you know, the one I talked earlier, you know, where you get, you know, um, uh, lawsuit protection, all this kind of stuff and insurance. And they have publications, you know, the journals talk to each other. There's, there's, um, there's webinars and, you know, education that journalists, you know, for, for journalists. And there's this huge movement now to have like fact checking as, as a journalist and, as a journalistic device that everybody should do, like all the publications should do. And, you know, I, I feel like the New York Times and maybe the Washington Post start this kind of stuff. If you check their fact, if you look into their fact-checking efforts and you actually look at what they fact-check, the majority of the stuff they're fact-checking are not facts. Somebody saying, I believe the earth is round, you can't fact-check that. Somebody just said they personally believe that, right? It's a belief, you can say, oh, well, they're kind of stating. No, yes, you can, you, can, you can interpret it that way. But if you go by facts, by what they actually said, it's not fact-checkable. That's like somebody saying, I believe in God. You can't fact-check that. Right? I can say, I don't, there's no scientific evidence that God exists. But if somebody says they believe in God, you can't fact-check that. This is, this is dangerous thinking. This is not a road... So, sorry for the rant, but that means... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not personal, right? I, I, I hope you get that. I'm pretty much... You, you, you started with crack knuckles, so I guess you, you, were, you were expecting this. <laughs> um, right? This is, uh, as, as you can tell, it's a bit, bit, big pet peeve of mine. And you should say, you know, you sh we should hold the president of the United States to a higher standard. True. Um, I hold our chancellor, you know, you you named her, Angela Merkel, to a higher standard. But, you know, th there's all these things. So Trump has a POTUS account and he has a personal account. Is that a personal account? Is, like, right? That's all That's all discussions you have to have. And this is all stuff that if you want to change this sec Section 230 stuff, you need to discuss this. Is that a personal account? Can the president of the United States have a personal account? Can he have... Can he make personal statements, right? If it's not in a press conference, if he's just like walking on the lawn of the White House and somebody asks him something, is that a personal say? Does the does the president of the United States cease to be a private citizen when he becomes or she becomes president, right? These are all questions that need to be answered before we get, get into this. I believe they should be held to a higher standard, but I don't think they that extends to them being the only person fact-checked. Right, if you have, you basically what you have in the U.S. now is uh, already campaigning, right? So you have Donald Trump campaigning against Joe Biden, and you have Twitter fact-checking Donald Trump, and they're not fact-checking Joe Biden. And believe me, Joe Biden says a lot of shit that isn't true, 
I mean, half of his sentences doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's probably hard to fact check that just because you don't know what he was trying to say. Um, but you know, you, that, that is just, that is manipulating the election in my, you know, everybody goes on about that, that Twitter is manipulating that they are, and it is clear that it is absolutely clear. Anybody who doesn't see this, I don't, I don't know how you can, how we can go through the world, but it is clear that the, that Twitter as an organization in their political leanings is leaning towards the Democrats. Right, and that they're doing this uh, with Trump because they would like Trump to not to be in office anymore. I mean, I, I can't prove that, but it's I, it's pretty obvious to me what political direction they're leaning. Um, so that no, I don't think a, pub, a, a private company should do that. I I don't even think a private company should have uh, political um, outlooks like that. I mean, you could you can't pretend prevent that because you have the founders and. Yeah, I know that it happens, but you know, I had the same thing. You know, when I when I write about technology and stuff, and there's this, like these companies like Microsoft, GitHub, and whatever, and they're like, oh, we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't have contracts with the IRS, uh, not the IRS. That would actually be a thing. That would be funny. No, the Department of Homeland Security or whatever, the Border Patrol, because they are incarcerating people. In ICE, right? We can't have contracts with ICE. Um, I don't think. Companies should make these decisions on on those kind of levels. That's that's not the job of of a company. That's you know, um, I don't, I just don't think that's right. And to your question, uh, if Merkel started promoting anti-vaxxer articles, I don't like the woman. Don't get me wrong, right? I don't. I've I've never liked her. I've never voted for her. I think it's it's, it's a tragedy for Germany that she's in office, and especially that she's been in office that long. Um, I think she's single-handedly destroying Europe um, by making, you know, doing something from a Machiavellian or maybe, I could say, realpolitik perspective, but then I think of Bismarck and I think what Bismarck would think of that. Basically, she's trying to um, do something that is understandable when you're the head of the German government. You're trying to, to make Europe... Uh, you know, to, to to make Germany the the, the dominating uh, nation state in Europe, uh, and using the European Union to do that, but then the European Union wasn't the idea of the European Union that that shouldn't happen. That very thing. Um, it's also not good for Germany in the long run. That's why I think where Bismarck would come in because if you know, I'm, people probably know I'm a, I'm a huge uh, admirer of Bismarck's politics, and and he was always. Um, looking at the, the 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 big picture, right? So a lot of stuff that Germany that happened to Germany, in, you know, World War One specifically after Bismarck um, was uh, was fired, uh, he was he was specifically not doing certain things, you know, for example, expanding German colonies in Africa, uh, building a huge fleet, stuff like that, because he knew. He didn't. He didn't want a a war in Europe, or a world war. Especially, he didn't. He never wanted. He, he was not above starting wars to get stuff done. Don't get me wrong. The Danish can sing. You know, the Danish and the French can can say something about that. But he was about having wars that he could win, right? And he would have seen that World War One is just crazy. From a, if you want to win a war, that is just crazy from the from a perspective. I mean, he he would like see these things, and you can see with with stuff where. 
Germany is getting a, a, a dominance in Europe that that is just not sustainable. That will, I mean, you have already have backlashes like Brexit and stuff like that, and that will hurt us. That will hurt us over the next fifty years, maybe. So no, I'm not no friend of Angela Merkel. Um, if she started promoting anti-vaxxer, like I wouldn't. What would you do? Like, should there be a law that the 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 that the chancellor can't, chancellor can't state their uh, personal opinion? I you know to be honest, I prefer if if Angela Merkel, you know, anti-vaxxer is a thing where it, I don't know doesn't really hurt because she has nothing to do with the health. So the he- most of the health policy in Germany is set by the federal state, maybe for that reason. Uh, but, you know, if it was something else, if it was just geopolitical or something, I would rather n- like to know that my chancellor thinks that. So, you know, so if you don't like that, you can start a campaign to get somebody else elected next time, right? Then not knowing that and her just believing that and then behind the scenes pulling strings and, you know, changing policy. Right, that's that's the um, that's what I don't understand. You all, in the U.S., it's quite fascinating to me that you have like progressive people and people in the press and people in the Democrats saying Trump shouldn't tweet. And you're like, what? If you're the Democrats, he's giving you ammunition, and if you're the press, he's giving you articles. What what are you complaining about? The fact that the man Trump uh, Trumps, <laughs> the fact that the man tweets is the best thing that ever happened to you. And as a citizen, you at least know his mind. I mean, you can be of the opinion that the guy is incompetent or insane. I don't. I don't care. I don't want to argue about that. But at least you know, right? Be worse if he doesn't talk, and then he just does all these mad policies, and you just figure f- find that out years later or whatever. Um, so no, I prefer these uh, companies to be dumb platforms, and I don't think there should be any any of this should be going on. Especially, you know, one thing I didn't mention: if you're talking Facebook, you're talking WhatsApp, right? If you're talking WhatsApp, this is to to, to make a bow on this on this feedback. Oh, sorry, and then I'm banging the microphone because I made a bow with my hands. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm gesticulating, gesticulating wildly like an Italian soccer player. Football player, sorry. It's, oh my god, I'm, I'm becoming too American. Um, to f- to find uh, an avenue back to our actually topic here today. If you start doing this, and as you told yourself, you know these uh, WhatsApp starting to become considered a, a a social network. It's not only a messaging platform; it's a social network. And if you if you if you advocate that social networks should um, police these kind of things, then you want WhatsApp to police this kind of stuff, and they can't because it's an end-to-end encrypted service, right? So either they put malware on your phone or do the thing that the malware would do and read your messages beforehand, or they get rid of end-to-end encryption, and we don't want that, right? So live with the fact that people are dumb. You have to live with that. People are dumb, People believe conspiracy theories. They believe idiotic things. They will share those things. And if you if you somehow manage to eradicate that on 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 their devices on social media, if you police everything and make it a Norwegian police state, then will they will talk about it when they meet for dinner, right? Just talk to people who who lived in the German Democratic Republic, the GDR, the socialist police state um, that we had for I don't know how long were they around forty years? I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, 
30 years, 30 years. Anyway, talk to these those people. Like they were they they were at spice everywhere. They were um, surveilled left and right, and they still talked seditious shit when they just met with people in a pub and there was nobody around, or like, you know, in a back room. And they the theories are flying, and you know it, it will always happen. You can't get rid of that. Don't don't try because if you try, you're just destroying everything else. It's not good. Anyway, uh, Butterbeans closes. Keep up the podding, your friend in Jack Daniel's land, Andy. Thank you, Butterbeans, Andy. Uh, thanks for this. I hope you um, you understood that this is a you know. It's kind of a discussion. It's not, it's not meant personally. And when I'm when when I'm reading your stuff and then I'm I'm answering it and I get ranty, it's not because of you. It's because of you know the generalities of the matter um, make me mad. <laughs> uh, I also don't want to you know don't I don't want to change your mind per se. Like it's uh, I think it's completely valid that you have another opinion, and I think people should have that other opinion. And they will. I can't pretend, uh, prevent that. And I think it's great that you wrote in because, I mean, this enables me to have, you know, how long has this been going? 20 minutes? Or <laughs> Discussion about that. So th that's why I value people's input. And please don't be uh, put off by me ranting because it's, I, I assure you, I'm not, sometimes I get like people on this podcast and on previous podcasts that feel like I, I, I'm mad at them and I never am. Like I, if I had an issue with you, I wouldn't be reading out your feedback on the show, right? Hope you know that. Anyway, um, if you also have feedback and want to induce me to a rant, <laughs> you can do so. Uh, private system press, all the details are in there. And as usual, um, you know, you're a producer. If you're doing that, you're helping out, but you can also help out monetarily. If you've got nothing to say and you just want to support this show, um, support me, do this, uh, in, in my time where I could be earning money by writing stories. And, you know, it's I'm, I streamlined the process of doing this podcast, but still a lot of work. So um, if you want to do that, you can become a patron on Patreon. That's a, uh, it's a subscription service where you can support the show. This uh, smallest uh, amount is $1 a month. And, um, yeah, and you can also, if you'd rather send one-off uh, tokens of support, you can do so via PayPal. PayPal. The email address is producers at fab.industries, producers at fab.industries. And of course, all of this information is in the show notes to every single episode on privatecitizen.press. Well, 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 well. And with that, I have to thank everybody who uh, who helped out, um, who chipped in, who sent me some money. I also want to thank Raul Kabazali, who wrote the uh, theme soon for this podcast that I'm using, which I really love. It's a song called Acoustic Roots. And also uh, many thanks to ByteMark at ByteMark.co.uk. It's a UK cloud hosting provider. And they provide me free of charge the service that I need to um, host these audio files and make sure they get delivered to you on time and quickly uh, with a lot of bandwidth that I couldn't afford paying for. So thanks to ByteMark for that. But with that, um, thanks to everybody who um, supported this show. I appreciate everybody who's listening. Um, and of course, if you um, if you support me on Patreon or you send in money via PayPal, I'll, I'll appreciate you even more because it helps me pay the bills. So thank you. Thanks a lot to all of you. Thanks to Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen, Jonathan M. Hathi, Georges Walther, Dave, Rashid Alemani, 
Butterbeans, who uh, we just heard from in that feedback segment, Kai Sears, Mark Holland, Steve Hose, Shelby Kruver, Vlad, Fadi Mansour, Jackie Plage, 1i11g, Magellan, Joe Pozo, Philip Klosterman, uh, or Philip Klostermann, probably, IKN, Jar Jaroslav Lichtblau, Dirk Didi, Dave Amrish, Dirk Pot. David Potter, sorry, David Potter, Mika, Vitautas Sadowskis, Ricky M, Drive Zero, Martin, Johnson Edwards, Barry Williams, Sylvia Vulcan, and SJ. Thanks to all of you. And with that, that's it for this episode. I'll uh, I'll remain fab in Hamburg. Um, I'll be back probably next Wednesday with another episode of this show. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll probably be next Wednesday. Uh, If, if nothing else breaks down, explodes, disintegrates into dust, destroys itself, or whatever. Life has been quite a challenge recently and quite unpredictable, but I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping everything will go well and I'll see you next week. Until then, remember, you know, don't maybe not be a career criminal, but uh, nonetheless, aim to misbehave. <laughs>